I am so excited about today's lesson, and I do have to let you know that um, I, uh, I, I just pray all the time, Lord, give me the thoughts that you would like me to speak, and uh, my son yesterday, we were together for a little bit for breakfast, and he said, Dad, I'm going to preach tomorrow. I said, okay, great. He said, I'm going to preach on um, conscience. And it went bing in my head, and I'm like, yeah. I said, I might speak tomorrow on conscience. Amen. And uh, so he's preaching this morning. Say a little prayer for him. And I'll be teaching this morning. You can say a little prayer for me. Praise God about the, the word conscience. Amen. And uh, you see, everyone, every human being has a conscience, and it can help us for the good but it can also cause us unnecessary pain. And so our conscience, John chapter 8 and verse 1 says, Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when he had set her in the midst... He say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commands us that, commands us, uh, the computer screen jumped on me. Hold on, Master, adultery, the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stood down with his finger and wrote in the ground, as though he heard them not. So when he continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto him, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now watch what they did. And they which heard it, being convicted in their own consciences, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even until the least. And Jesus left alone the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers, whom no man condemned thee? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Now look what he said. He said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Once again, I want to talk to you today with the help of the Lord on conscience. Lord, we love you and we praise you for this day. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to touch God and to move into this house. Lord, let us feel your presence and spirit. And God, I'm going to give you all the praise and glory honor for what you're about to do. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen? amen. You may be seated. It was amazing to me that when I did a Google search in the Bible on the word conscience, that uh, the very first place that conscience was ever talked about was in the New Testament in the scripture that I just read to you. It was Jesus that brought up the word consciousness, amen, or a person's conscience, amen. So the very first time, you see, one of the things that animals don't have is a conscience, they don't carry a conscience. They don't feel guilty. They might learn it's best not to do that or I'll get put in a pen. Or they might learn 
uh, a little bit of character, but you never see them walking around, or they never walk around with a series of guilt about the past. Praise God. They might get sick, they might get weary, but they never get, have a, a, a conscience problem. Consciousness has been with man from the very beginning of time. Amen. Adam and Eve in the garden dealt with conscience. When the Lord came by and he saw them, he's, the Bible in Genesis 3 and 7 says, and the eyes of them both were opened when they had sinned. Uh, and they knew that they were naked. Now, you can be in a room getting ready to get in the shower or whatever, and not a, not a thing in your mind. You don't think of anything. But all of a sudden, the moment that you think something is looking in the window, your uh, consciousness is raised of, I'm getting looked at. And you don't like that. Praise God. And so, amen, that is uh, a consciousness. And so uh, it is the consciousness that a person has. And so Adam and Eve felt that. I'm getting looked at. <clears throat> and so their consciousness began to work on them. So they sewed aprons, and they made uh, aprons out of fig leaves. Praise God. And when they heard the voice in the garden of the cool of the day, Adam and his wife, they hid themselves. Why? Because they felt guilty. Their consciousness got them there. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now God knew where they were, but it was their consciousness that caused them to hide. He knew where they was. He knew the situation. But he wanted them to, to think about where they were. He wanted them to think about where they were. Because I have a personal theory, and I, I believe that man... God will not condemn man in the end times. I believe that our own consciousness is going to condemn us. We will condemn ourselves. I can stand up here and portray to you that I'm the best honest guy and that everything I do is honest and upfront and that I never sin. But I know in my mind whether I did or not. Praise God. Our mind is like a computer, and it copies everything down. Everything we've ever did is in our mind. Praise the Lord. That's why a lie detector can detect, amen, your nervous system. When you say, I didn't do that, and you did it, your nervous system. There was a, there was a farmer one time that had four boys, had a broken window, and he said to the boys, he lined them up on a wall, and he said unto them, he said, okay, he said, and he went around and he found this special apple. He said, this is a special apple. And he said, and I'm going to, I want you to turn your backs to me. And he said, and I am going to throw this special apple. And he said, and whoever did, broke that window, this special apple will tell me who did it. And he said, and I'm going to throw it, praise God, right at you. And so he turned him around and he heaved and he hollered and he threw and he looked up and one of the boys had covered the back of his head and bent down. His consciousness has told him away. Your conscience is the thing, praise God, that keeps you, amen, uh, in a situation with God. And so it is our conscience. And Adam had that conscience. Eve had that conscience. And God said to them, he said, do you... where?" Where are you, Adam? Where are you? And it wasn't because God didn't know where they were. It was because he wanted them to realize where they were. 
He wanted to, them to realize, praise God, that I have sinned. And when they said unto him, amen, they said unto him, they said, we were naked and we knew we were naked, so we had to cover ourselves. Who told you you were naked? They could have answered him, my conscience. My conscience has told me that. Praise God. My, my conscience has told me that. A conscience is a part of a human being that God installed in them, praise God, so that God could deal with them according to their conscience. Amen. And so, God said unto them, who told you? And they said, and then a little later, it wasn't but just another generation that came. God came in through, came brought of the fruit of the ground, Abel brought of the firstlings of the flock. Praise God. God came along. God didn't accept Cain's offer, offering, but he accepted Abel's offering. And Cain was greatly upset, met Cain. Cain met Abel in the field, slew Abel. <clears throat> God come along, same thing. Tried to work on Cain's conscience. Cain, where's your brother Abel? It should have made him feel guilty, but he overrode his conscience. And he said, am I my brother's keeper? Praise God. In the scripture text that I read to you, the very first part of uh, the, the New Testament, amen, and conscience is only used in the New Testament. <clears throat> but the scripture text that I read to you, when Jesus dealt with the accusers of the women that was taken in adultery in verse 9, it says, and they which heard it being convicted, by their own conscience. It was their own conscience that bothered them. That brought conviction. You see your conscience is what God uses. Amen. As a signal. Of what you're going to do. It, it, it is a signal. Let me. It is a signal that what you are going to do. Say or allow to be done. Whether it be good or bad. It's your conscience that God talks to. When you go to do something that you're not supposed to do, your conscience will rise up and say to you, I wouldn't do that. When the Holy Ghost says to me, when I go to say something, it might not be nice about someone. <clears throat> and maybe I'm trying to get inf informative or maybe I'm just talking or maybe I'm using it as an example. The Holy Ghost will rise up inside of me and say, on my conscience, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say that. <clears throat> Praise God. It's the way that God talks to me. It's the way that God uh, uh, works with me. Praise God. And God uses that. See, your conscience needs to be lined up with the word of God because your conscience may not be lined up with God's word. Saul Praise God. When he went around killing the Christians, the difference with Saul was Saul in his conscience felt that he was doing the right thing. He talked his conscience into killing Christians. And Saul felt he was doing the right thing. You see, there's a difference between a person doing something wrong and their conscience is not warning them. 
And there's a difference between someone whose conscience is warning them not to do that, and they step right over it and do it anyways. Praise God. Saul felt like he was doing the right thing by killing the Christians. And so the Lord intervened on Saul. When your conscience is clear, there have been times in my life when I was doing something, and my conscience was clear, and the Lord come along and showed me, or talked to me, or worked with me, and helped me see the light, and I realized that that's not a right thing to do. You see, before a person comes to the Lord and becomes a Christian, amen, They can cuss, they can lie, they can steal, they can do whatever they want to do. And they don't even think about it when it's done. There are people that I deal with in the business world. They'll cuss and they'll swear. And they would never think another thing about it until they'd look at me and say, I keep forgetting you're a preacher. Praise God. And I want to say, and you keep forgetting there's a God. Praise God. I keep forgetting you're a preacher. Amen. I said, that's no offensive to me. I said, that's between you and God, you know, whatever. You know. But they'll cuss and they'll swear, and they won't even think about it. You could ask them, how many cuss words did you say yesterday? And they'd say, I can't remember. Why? Because their conscience is not built up to that. So before you came to the Lord, your conscience didn't bother you. But once you came to God... Your conscience, amen, becomes sharpened. Amen. And God begins to deal with you according to your conscience. But Saul thought that he was doing good by killing the Christians. And his conscience didn't bother him. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing when a person has a conscience. I, I would rather a person have a conscience and do something wrong, not realizing in their conscience. Because that conscience is like a safeguard. It, it is the way that God deals with us. It's the way that God talks to us. He puts it on our conscience. Amen. And so he puts it on our conscience not to do it. And if we do do it, he puts it on our conscience to back off so that we don't do it anymore or that we stop doing it. Praise God. Because of the consequences that's going to happen. But we've got to understand. People say, well, it doesn't bother me. Or it, it doesn't weigh on my conscience. And it, it's possible that they don't fully understand. That's why we need to go to the Word of God and, and get the Word of God in us. That's why 2 Timothy 3.16 says, For all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction. That's what your conscience does. For instruction and righteousness. So you've got to go to the Word of God, and you've got to let the Word of God determine what your consciousness is, what your, what your conscience is. Amen. You see, Paul tells us that he makes sure that his conscience is clear. In Acts chapter 23 and verse 1, and Paul earnestly beheld the council, said, beholding the council, I'm sorry, said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience, see what he says, before God. Not before anyone else. Worldly people, or before you came to the world, you might have lived in good conscience according to the world. 
lying, stealing, cussing. You see, who we, who we, who we deal with all the time and who we hang around all the time is the people that affect our conscience. I had a couple who got a, a job over at the uh, racetrack. And I said to them, I said, that is not a good thing. I said, because over the racetrack, I said, they're all getting divorces. They're cheating on one another, and that's a big place for that, and getting divorces. And it was not long until their conscience level was to be with together and to be uh, uh, dedicated to one another began to become downhill. And before you know it, they ended up cheating on each other and getting a divorce. Praise the Lord. Because their conscience level, who you hang around and what you do, praise God, <clears throat> will affect your conscience. Amen. Paul tells us, amen, that his conscience was before the Lord. You see, I want to talk to you something about conscience that can be confusing, but I, I'm going to talk to you today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 through 10, some of the Christians who came into Christianity from the pagan background, praise God, felt that meats that were offered to idols were not to be eaten. You can't eat that. It was offered to idols. It's got some power over it. And so their conscience would not let them do it. And so there were some other Christians that never had anything to do with that. And they were like, <clears throat> they were like, I don't care whether it was offered to idols or not. It's good. It tastes good. We need some food. And so the church began to fight over it. You can't eat those meats. <clears throat> You're going to hell. I can't, I'm not going to hell eating this meat. It's good. Ain't nothing wrong with it. I'm hungry. It's meat. Praise God. It'd be almost like somebody from a foreign country coming over having an idol. And putting that idol, you know, that idol being an idol, and they worship idols, so everything's idols. And, but you have a statue in your house. Amen. It might even have water flowing out of it. You've got some kind of bust or something there. You can't have that there. I could be an idol. You see? One man's conscience was struggling because they were eating meat that was offered to idols. <clears throat> And it had power. Another man's conscience was like, it don't bother me whatsoever. So what's Paul do? Paul comes along. He said, okay, John, if you're struggling to eat meats that's offered to idols, don't eat it. Frank, if you don't have a problem with it, go ahead and eat it. Because what is of, not of faith is of sin. You see, there are times when God will talk to somebody about their conscience. And I'm not talking about lying, cussing, swearing, cheating, those things. Those are essentials of living for God. I'm talking about the non-essentials. But there are some things that God will talk to you. In my younger years, I had a better shape. And I liked it. And I'd never wear short sleeves. But now i got a horrible shape. I can't be proud of it, so I wear short sleeves. <laughs> Praise God. 
When I was in Texas, they didn't believe in wedding rings. I didn't mind wedding rings. Praise God. But I didn't, I, the pastor that married me, I didn't, we didn't, my wife and I didn't use a wedding ring. Praise God. Why? I, it's just, I wasn't going to offend them. Paul says, Frank, or Bob, you don't eat meats. Frank, you do. But I'll tell you what, Frank. Amen. <laughs> this is, I love this. He said, I'll tell you what, Frank. He said, if you eat meats and it offends Bob, don't eat it in front of him. But if you give Bob some meats, don't tell him where it come from. 1 Corinthians 10 and 25. There you go. Scripture reference. Go back and read it. (laughs) Just don't tell him. It'd be like, I don't like going to the bar. because, or, Or I don't like going to a restaurant with a bar. Praise God. I've been to many restaurants with a bar, and I don't drink. I eat, and I go. Praise God. And technically, those that are drinking at the bar are actually paying for your food because they could never afford a restaurant if it wasn't for the people that drank there. But anyways, praise the Lord. I, I go. Some people say, I can't go to a bar. And I understand what you struggled with. You might have had somebody that was an alcoholic. You might have struggled with alcoholism yourself. Amen. So if you can't go to a bar for a dinner, that's fine. Now, if it's a, mainly a bar, no. But if it's a restaurant bar, I go, I eat. And so, but the thing of it is, if I was to bring you something to eat, I might not tell you where it come from. But it's your conscience that works on that. And if God places your conscience on something, amen, and it bothers you, on the non-essentials. You understand what I'm talking about today. If God bothers you on something, then don't do it. I've had people that struggled with playing cards. I have never gambled in my life. I was telling, oh, you'd love this. I was telling, and it was Justin. I was wanting Justin to eat lunch, so I was kind of... So we were... we were. I go out and I do these... Uh, these little places that does the gambling and put out food. I do all the windows and everything. And I was sitting at the supper table one night and I said, you know what? I said, I go in and I do all those things and I have never gambled or bet once. And Justin's like, yes, you have. And I said, supper table. We're all sitting at the supper table. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. No, I haven't. I've never bet, Justin. Self-righteousness was rising. Yes, you have, Dad. I said, no, I didn't. Justin, oh, yes, you have. I said, okay, tell me, tell me when I bet. He said, just today, you said, I'll bet mom won't have supper tonight. <laughs> I was wanting him to eat lunch. He was trying to lose weight. And, uh, and so the thing of it is, he, man, you know, but if you problem, I had guys that worked for me, they struggled with alcoholism, and I'd never let them go into a bar with me and do the bar. They never did those restaurants. We missed that because they struggled with it. So you understand what I'm saying. If your consciousness bothers you about some things, don't think it's a bad thing when somebody else's conscience doesn't bother them. Here's one of those moments you got to listen to me. Hey, it's all about us being saved. If a person is overriding their conscience, 
They're only hurting themselves. They're not hurting you. So don't let the devil make it bother you. If somebody is not living for God like they should, praise God, then get your eyes off of them and get it on Jesus. You know, and I'm going to say this, I don't mean to offend anybody, but some of the most people that are struggling the most to live for God always have their eyes on other people because it's more pleasant to worry about their problems than it is their own. Praise God. And God will deal with you according to your conscience. And God will deal with them according to their conscience. Because I'm telling you, I, I, when, people that want to delve into holiness, to me, are people that don't know what they're talking about as a general rule. Because holiness, I'm not putting holiness down, but holiness is a very, very um, deep subject. Holiness is very, 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 very deep. Praise God. And people who want to live in the realm of just holiness alone, uh, it all boils back to every, every one of us needs to search out our own soul salvation with fear and trembling. We need to deal with ourselves. Praise God. If you see something, pray about it. Don't judge it. Amen. Otherwise, you'll become a Pharisee. Amen. Pray about it. Ask God to help them. But don't condemn them. These men were standing before Jesus, and they were contempt, get, condemning this woman that was caught in adultery. But when Jesus turned their attention on their sins, their consciousness rose up and condemned them, and they walked away. That's why Jesus says, he, you without sin cast the first stone. None of us has a right to throw a stone at anyone. We've got sins in ourselves. They say people that live in glass houses should not throw stones, right? Especially after I've cleaned the windows, Okay. People in glass houses should not throw stones. But you, we, if we turned 100% of our own attention on our own relationship with Jesus and our own consciousness, sharpening it to where we live for the Lord and walk with God, we would be much better off. Can you say amen? amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap today. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. You see, a person who can live, and there are, pers- there are people that can live and not have a conscience. Titus 1 and 15 says, Unto the pure all things are pure. In other words, he's got a conscience. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. They have no conscience. But even their mind... And conscience is defiled. There's no, there's no conscience. Praise God. They don't have a conscience. You see, a person can cuss, steal, lie. There are people that can even kill and commit adultery. 
and not bother them. Because they have sheared their conscience. They are so full of evil. They have beat their conscience down to the point. I believe that that people like Pharaoh had their conscience so beat down that God said, you're done. I give up on you. Praise God, because I can no longer deal with your conscience. There are people that don't have a conscience at all. There's no conscience within them. It is totally gone, praise God. They can do those things, and it does not bother them. Amen. Romans 1 and 8, 28 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Why? Because they didn't, have, they didn't, they didn't accept God. They didn't look at God. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient. In other words, it, it just was not good for them. Praise God. 1 Timothy 4 and 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, you believe you're living in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Having their conscience sheared with a hot iron. Do you know what a hot iron does? If you take a hot iron and you put it against somebody in a special place, it kills or it deadens the nerves there. So that there is no more feeling. And it says that you can take your conscience and you can burn them with a hot iron. It's like burning them with a hot iron to where you no longer have a conscience. There are people who are in prison today. They will kill, and it does not bother them one bit. There are people that have more conscience over killing livestock than people that have a conscience in killing a person. Praise God. Because the Bible says that they shear their conscience with a hard iron. Praise God. When it comes to conscience, Paul tells us he makes sure his conscience is clear before God. Acts 23 and 1 says, And Paul earnestly beholding the counsel said, Men and brethren, I have, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. You see, there was a time when Saul would kill Christians with a good conscience. But God talked to Saul, and because of Saul's conscience, Saul said to God, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. And he said, Oh my God, my conscience is more than I can bear. Praise the Lord. Now, Paul's saying, I'm living with a good conscience. Amen. Paul also tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.19, He says, have faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, concerning the faith, having suffered shipwreck. Praise God. And so he tells Paul, or he tells Timothy, he said, make sure your conscience is right. Amen. Once again, that conscience has to be lined up with the word of God. And that conscience is what tells us You know what? This isn't right. I shouldn't be doing this. This is not a good thing to do. You see, praise God, when we wasn't living for the Lord, you remember when you wasn't living for the Lord? Remember when you wasn't really walking with God? 
Remember how your conscience was? Amen. Then you come to God. All of a sudden, the Lord turned the light on in your life. Boom. And you're like, oh, my God. I can't believe I used to lie. And I can't believe I used to steal. I, used, I can't believe I used to commit adultery or whatever. I used to smoke. I used to drink. I used to do all those things. Praise God. Amen. There are people who are living a Christian life. Amen. And they don't have a conscience of doing some of those things because the church tells them it's all right to do that. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Or, praise God, we're all sinners coming to the Lord. And we don't condemn that anymore. So their conscience level comes down. And so they... Their conscience does not bother them. But when you came to the Lord and the Lord shined his light on your soul and you said, you know what? This is not good. Praise God. I feel guilty about that. And then you come to the Lord and you got saved. And then all of a sudden you did it again. Praise God. You see our past. But when we come to the Lord, the turning point, the coming out of the outside, into the inside of the building, coming from one state to another state, that dividing line is part of our baptism. First Peter 3 and 12 said, that like figure, whereunto even baptism doth now also save us. <clears throat> what? Not putting away the filth of the flesh. Praise God. When a person gets baptized, it doesn't if they go down and they're struggling with alcoholism, they'll get up out of that baptismal tank. And there's a good chance that they'll struggle with alcoholism. If, there's a, if they go down and they're struggling with drug addiction, there's a good chance that they're going to come up out of that tank struggling with drug addiction. Praise God. You still will live in the flesh. You'll still have that problem. You won't put away those desires. There's a possibility you can. God does that sometimes. Sometimes people have to work through that. You see, the Lord came up to Lazarus whenever he was in the grave. He come bouncing out. The Lord brought him out of the grave, but the Lord turned to them and they said, you go turn him loose and let him go. People will come to the Lord and God will save them and God will wash away their sins, but it's up to us to help them to renew themselves and to regenerate in the Lord and become changed. So your baptism did not take away, hey man, your desires or whatever. But what the baptism did was, the rest of the scripture said that it gave us a good conscience towards God. Amen. It washed away everything that we stood. You know, people struggle today with what everybody else thinks. What's everybody else think? What's everybody else think? And I'm telling you, the higher or the more important you get, the more you'll deal with that. You may see it on the, you know, there are people that see it in the news all the time. I wonder about that. All the bad stuff that goes around about some of these people that are so important. And it seems to flow off them like water. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care. 
praise God, and it just flows off of them. It's just such bad stuff, and you think, doesn't that not bother you? They don't care. They don't, it's just, you know, praise the Lord. But we, people f- worry about what people think, what they're going to say. I'm telling you, life is a lot easier and life is a lot better when you just worry about what one person thinks, and that is the Lord. Praise God. Your conscience with him. You see, when a boxer boxes, there are a lot of people that are standing around telling him what to do. When a football or football player plays, there are a lot of people that will stand around telling him what to do. But that professional sport or that person who's playing knows that the one person he needs to listen to is his manager or his coach. Praise God. And you've got to understand, amen, that you've got to listen. Your conscience has to be in tune to God. And you've got to do it. Whether no one's seeing you or not, you've got to do it. There are people, they live double lives. They'll live one way in the public, and they'll live another in private. And be assured, the Bible tells you, your sins will find you out. Praise God. Amen. They'll find you out. You can't hide it. It it comes up. But if your conscience is in tune with God and you think, I've got a good conscience with God. My conscience is clear with God. I did the right thing. I said the right thing. You know, there are some people, they do things hoping. They may, they may say things or they'll do things hoping, praise God, that someone, you know, that it will motivate someone in a certain way. You know, and, and the sad part about it is God knows what you're doing and God is the one that brings the responses. You, 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 you know, you, you got in your mind, you know, this is not what I really mean and this is not what I'm trying to say. But I'm saying this because I want a certain response or I want a certain reaction. They may be kind to you. And the reason they're kind to you is not because they like you. It's because they want information. Or control. Where your conscience ought to tell you this isn't good. Praise God. Because I'll never get what I want doing that. Because God says that whatever a man sows... A man's going to reap. And your conscience ought to tell you no. Hebrews 9 and 14 tells us, but let me just talk about the baptism. The Lord just said back up a little bit. Baptism. When a person comes and gets baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus like they did in the book of Acts, and a preacher says, upon the confession of your faith and according to the word, I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And brings you up like they did through all the book of Acts. Amen. When a person does that, 
Amen. Their conscience should become clear from that point on. Everything they've done in the past, amen, their conscience is clear. Now, if they stole something, it's still stolen. If they've lied about something, it's still a lie. If they have killed somebody, that person's going to be dead. But, amen, the great thing is your conscience is cleared before God. Because when we stand before God, once again, it is our consciousness that's going to tell us whether or not we're saved. You know, it's amazing to me. And I'm going to talk to the, the, if you struggle with judgment, you judge people all the time. You always judge them. It's just, you struggle with that. You're building yourself a self-destruction because on judgment day, you're going to be so judgmental yourself, you're not going to trust God to forgive you for your sins. Be careful of that. Train, put that old dog down, man. Don't feed him. Because on judgment day, in your conscience, you're going to be so judgmental, you cannot have enough faith to believe that God's going to forgive you of your sins. And you will self-destroy yourself if you're judgmental. Because your conscience, praise God, is going to be, amen, what's going to judge you. Amen. But if you're so judgmental, you judge this one and you judge that one. And, and it's the, you know, the door is very narrow for them to get through. Then the door is going to be very narrow for you. Because you will self-destruct yourself by saying, I can't believe that God's going to save me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because you see, amen, we, you know, Jesus told that woman, neither do I condemn thee. You've condemned yourself. Condemnation comes from within. The Bible says that God does not condemn us. We condemn ourselves. We've done our own self in. You see, the Lord is so loving and the Lord is so giving. And the Lord, so, you know, I was in a debate one time with a Jehovah Witness. And that Jehovah Witness, it was a bit debate. It was a little bit of a public debate. And I was in, the, and that Jehovah Witness pulled this thing on me where he said to me, he said, Would you put a dog in the fire? Would you put a puppy dog's tail on the fire? No. He said, do you don't think that God's more loving than that? I said, right. He said, well, what are you going to say about that? I said, I'm glad you asked. I said, if that dog runs into the fire, I'm not going after it. I said, God doesn't send people to hell. They send themselves to hell. Oh, he said. Praise God. You see, amen, God deals with us. Hebrews 9 and 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who hath the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot towards God, purge your conscience? You see, salvation is having a clear conscience. Every one of us in this place today and on live stream know whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. You know that. Praise God. You know that. 
And you might say, well, I'm not sure. Well, you need to get to the altar and talk to God until you know, because God can allow you to know that you are saved. You can believe in the word of God and the trust of God. But we all know whether or not we're saved. We all know whether or not we're going to heaven. Praise God. If we build our confidence on the word of God, people say, I know I'm going to heaven. The next question I want to ask to them is, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I just feel like I'm going to heaven. Well, Saul felt like as if he was doing the right thing when he killed the Christians. You see? But like Paul said, he said in the scriptures I read before, Paul said, my confidence is sure in God, in his word, in the things of God. When Saul realized that he was not in the word of God like he should, his confidence made him get in the word of God. And then his confidence said, I am confident of this one thing. Praise God. My conscience has got me here. Praise God. How much more the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purged our conscience. When you came to God and when you was baptized, when you came to the Lord and repented and when you got the Holy Ghost, amen, God purged your conscience for the past. When you do wrong, God talks to you about your conscience. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't act like that. I want to tell you something. I don't worry against my confidence or my conscience. I don't worry against it. I don't play with it. If my conscience, if my conscience comes up and says, don't talk about that. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say that. You overrun that and overrun that and overrun that. And before you know it, you will sear it with a hot iron and it will no longer be there. And it's like having the gate open. You can, God won't deal with you no more. But if you allow that, if you allow the word of God to build that conf- confident con- conscience up. I'm telling you, we get into so much trouble when we override our conscience. We cause us so much pain and so much suffering. Praise God when we do that. But also... Satan can work on our conscience. Praise God. If you've come to the Lord and it's all, once again, it's all based on the Word of God. That's why it's good to have the Word of God. It's good to come to church and hear the preaching. It's good to come to a church that's Bible-based and hear the Word of God. Praise God. Thus saith the Word of God. And, And rightly dividing the Word of truth. See, you can take a scripture here and you can take a scripture there. Here's the thing. Ready for this? You can take a scripture here and you can take a scripture there and you can build whatever doctrine you want. But if one scripture contradicts another scripture, then somewhere you need to figure out how that all fits together like a puzzle. You can go to one place in the Bible and it says this is what you need to do to be saved. You can go to another place in the Bible and it says this is what you need to do to be saved. Praise God. And the one place doesn't do out the other place. They're both important. You've got to do them both. Praise God. And you need to be saved. Praise God. But you need to have your conscience based in the word of God. Amen. You know, it's amazing how society will change. 
the society that we know today is nowhere near the society that has been 50 years ago or 60 years ago. Now, I will say this, and I can talk about it now because I'm getting old. We think that our society was so much better back then. Not really. We had our problems. Every society has its problems. But every society affects people's conscience. There are things that we do now we would have never done back then. And there are things that we do back then. Smoking is one of them. Man, we used to go into a restaurant and smoked. Everybody smoked. They don't do that now. We got that right. We got a lot of other things that we got messed up on. But you understand what I'm saying? Society will affect a person's conscience. And, and this is the thing, praise the Lord. Our conscience should not be based on what the society says. Our conscience ought to be based upon what the Word of God says. Society changes. In Hitler's day, it was okay to kill the Jews. Did that make it right? A lot of people had the conscience so wore down that it didn't bother them. A horrible thing like that, it didn't bother them. But the devil sometimes will try to work on the other side of our conscience. And that is when God has forgiven you, when you've gone to the altar and you've asked God to forgive you, when you've asked God to take it away, when you've asked God to wash away your sins and God has washed them away, when you've been baptized, the devil will bring them things back up and he'll try to work on your conscience. He'll say, I remember when you this and I remember when you that and I remember when and you think God's going to forgive you and you think God's going to... Well, there's no condemnation that comes from God. All the condemnation is with inside of a person, I believe. Praise God. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says that there is therefore no condemnation to them. Praise God. So you don't have any condemnation. No, I need to write, read on, right? To them that are in Christ Jesus. Once you've come to God and once you've asked God to forgive you, and asking God to forgive you is not saying, God, forgive me. I'm going to do it again. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead? True forgiveness comes when you ask God to forgive you, and in your heart you really, 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 truly want to not do it again. Now, there are times when you will have situations where you will do it again. You struggle. You get weak. You fall. You do it again. Praise God. I'm not saying that you have a license to do that. But I'm saying, praise God, that you've got to get back up. It's almost like me practicing with my bow and arrow. I do my best to hit that mark. There are times I'll miss that mark. No, there are times I hit that mark. Praise God. But I'll keep shooting it. Praise the Lord. And there are times that I'm going to miss it. And when I do miss it, praise God, what do I do? I get the errors and I do it again. 
I don't sit there and I don't beat myself and say, you missed it. You missed it. See, God's not there saying, you messed up. You did wrong. You did this. God's standing there saying, and I'm literally, I wish I could shake this into every one of you and live stream. God is literally standing there saying, I want you to make it. I want you to be successful. I want you to, I want you to be successful. My hope for you is to be successful. And I'm giving you all the ability. But you can't sin thinking, you can't go out saying, well, I'm going to just go out and commit adultery and, and, and God will forgive me. Because God always forgives me. Praise God. The Bible says there's no more sacrifices for that kind of logic. But if you get in your heart and you get in your mind and you say, praise God, I'm going to go forward. God will forgive you of the past. And you can't let your conscience bother you for your past. I've seen, I've seen people. I, I, I was tarrying with a young lady one time. Furiated me. I was tarrying with her. I got her through repentance. And she was seeking the Holy Ghost. And some good sister come up, put her hand on her shoulder and said, Honey, you know what you did. Ask God to forgive you. At my age, I would have said, ma'am, go sit on that pew. <laughs> Praise God. You, you just, you don't go back there. These men were bringing this women, woman that was caught in adultery to Jesus, and they were wanting to condemn her. Jesus told her, he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You know, I told someone one time, you know, they say, well, it's not your works that you're going to save you. It isn't your works that's going to save you, but it's your works that's going to condemn you and keep you out. I can't present my works to God and say, this is why I need to be saved, because I'm a good guy. I was a preacher, and I did my best, and da da da, da. That's not going to save me, but I'm going to tell you something. If I don't get my heart right with God and get my conscience clear... And stand before him. I am not going to make it. Praise God. It's not my works that's going to save me. But it can be my works that keeps me out. Because of my conscience. But this woman stand before him. Jesus looked at her and said. Neither do I condemn thee. If anyone could have condemned her. He was sinless. He could have condemned her. I didn't do that. Why did you do that? But once again. You ready for this? Jesus is so hard trying to get us saved. He wants you saved. He wanted her saved. He wanted her to go to heaven so bad. He said, neither, neither do I condemn thee. But I'm going to tell you something. Don't go and do it anymore. That's repentance. That's the change of heart. That's saying, I've got to repent and ask God that I'm sorry. And that will clear your conscience. And that will allow you to be saved. Praise God. Amen. I'm telling you, God wants us saved. Don't let the devil work on your conscience. Praise the Lord. Amen. If Satan tells you, if Satan reminds you of your past, you just remind him of his future. Praise God. He ain't going to lock it. Let's all stand.
6 o'clock prayer tonight. 6.30 service. Please come. Let's pray. Come pray. I'm going to be preaching. So come pray. Let's all pray. Lord, we love you, God, and praise you, Jesus, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Touch, Lord, and to move and to be with us. Let us depart from this place, but not from your presence. God, we're going to give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen? Amen.